0: Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom and today we have 10 massive Vikings predictions to deliver to you and I'm probably going to get reckless. Hi, welcome to the party.
1: My name is Arif Hasan. We're going to be talking about punt returners that are very stout, cocky built, narrow, thick, strong legs with really big glutes welcome to the party
2: i'm luke braun from locked on vikings and i'm excited to lose some bets this season
3: welcome to the party luke inman for superior sports talk telling you why you should jump on the bandwagon for kirk cousins for mvp it's the minnesota football party
1: locked on sports minnesota podcasts It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next-level Vikings football. So join in with the Athletics' Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings' Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talks' Luke Inman, and Vikings insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now.
0: What a show we have today. It's Vikings Packers Week, and the full team is assembled here. Luke Inman of Superior Sports Talk, at Luke underscore Spinman, Arifasan of The Athletic, at Arifasan NFL, Luke Braun of Lockdown Vikings and the Lockdown Vikings postcast, at Luke Braun NFL. Check out – I'm out of breath. Check out <laughs> his, uh, his Patreon. His Jalen Rigor's Cavs will do that to you. Yeah, uh, during the intro video, I had to run and get my dog outside. That's why I'm so exhausted. Um, (laughs) Today on the show, 10 massive predictions about the Minnesota Vikings. Now, guys, this will live forever. So we will be revisiting this in four months and see how we did. 10 big predictions. We're also going to gamble. We're going to have a $1,000 bank, fake money, of course. Um, but we're using the bet online odds to make our predictions against the spread this week. We've also got Kirk Cousins MVP talk to kick off the show. But make sure you're subscribed to Lockdown Sports Minnesota. You can find the videos on YouTube or the podcasts wherever you get the pod, uh, your podcasts. Make sure to comment on this YouTube video, hit that bell, help people find the show by liking, subscribing, commenting, all that jazz. And check us out on Twitter. Hit me up at Sam Ekstrom with your thoughts on the purple. Kirk Cousins MVP? Michael Irvin thinks so. Kyle Brandt thinks so. I believe he's 40 to 1 on the bet online odds going into the season for most valuable player, gentlemen. Luke Inman, you teased it in your intro. You want to get us on the bandwagon. Make your case. Kirk Cousins MVP this season?
3: Well, I love all the love and spotlight Kirk's getting all of a sudden. I'm gonna play devil's advocate first. The obstacle he's gonna have to work around when it comes to winning this award is almost having too much talent around him, most valuable players. So what does the team look like with him and without him? And how big's the drop-off? Obviously, the bigger drop-off, the more value they're going to add. When Aaron Rodgers won the MVP the last two seasons, everyone said, well, look, he's only got one elite weapon in Devontae Adams. He's raising the play of everyone around him. When Peyton Manning won all those MVPs, it was partly because you knew if he wasn't in the game, they might not win a single game all season, and that almost happened the year he got hurt in 2011. I think they went 1-15. With Kirk, I think there's so much talent and supporting cast with J.J. Thielen, Osborne, Cook, Irv, all that. It's hard for him to win the MVP, hence why he's at 40-1. to Great value if you like it, but what's the path need to look like? Unfortunately, I think actually you'd have to almost lose a guy or two like a J.J. and or Thielen and or Cook, For some chunks of time during the season and still play at a high level, still put up the big stats, and most importantly, obviously, still find a way to win those big games because that's the kind of recipe you need to win this award.
0: Is it true that a wide receiver's never won?
3: Is that correct? Well, I mean, if Cooper Cup didn't win it last year after winning the Triple Crown, I think Megatron was the closest. Um, going back to what that almost 2,000-yard season, he didn't win it. So, yeah, I think you're right, Sam. I don't think a receivers ever won it, no.
0: Pe- Peterson was the last non-QB to win it. Here's the data that I'm looking at. I, I think it's fairly straightforward. The last nine MVPs are all quarterbacks. All of them except one won 12 or more games. And almost all of them had 35 or more touchdowns except for Brady in 2017 and they had 10 or fewer interceptions. I mean, the path is fairly clear. Kirk's got to win a dozen games or more, and he's probably got to get that touchdown total between 35 and 40, interceptions 10 or below. I think that's the formula. If you look at what Matt Ryan did, Um, Aaron Rodgers has done it three times in the last 10 years, Peyton Manning was absurd, 55 touchdowns, but you know he can't go the Lamar Jackson or Cam Newton route because he's not mobile. But I think that there is a formula that you know voters will latch on to and especially kirk who hasn't reached that level yet novelty always wins like if someone is doing something beyond what they've done in the past for a good team typically that's enough to get you the award Hassan, your thoughts
1: yeah i think uh, you know obviously the award generally goes to elite quarterbacks because they're most likely to put up elite performances but when you look at the uh winners who have um had some questions surrounding them like lamar jackson like cam newton Um, That year they had always kind of resolved those questions both uh, I believe both uh, Lamar Jackson and Cam Newton led the league in those respective years in game winning drives and I know both of them led the league in touchdown passing percentage you know both of them had questions surrounding their ability to throw the ball Lamar Jackson finished that year with over eight adjusted net yards per attempt Cam Newton finished that year ranked sixth in adjusted net yards per attempt I think both of those uh, are indications that they were able to kind of overcome the biggest questions surrounding their career whether or not they had you know in Cam Newton's case the leadership to you know create game winning drives whether or not they had the ability like in Lamar Jackson's case to actually pass the ball efficiently um, and I think for Kirk Cousins's case he's going to have to overcome the biggest questions surrounding him know before he can enter kind of the halls of the elite because he's not Aaron Rodgers he's not Peyton Manning he has something to prove to demonstrate that he gets to be uh, you know one of those named people and I think that he's going to have to lead multiple game winning drives which he did do last year in all fairness um, and he's going to have to demonstrate that he can win in big moments I think that that's kind of it's in some ways the MVP is kind of an unfair standard because you know in addition to judging you against the other quarterbacks generally quarterbacks uh, around the league you're being judged against your own faults right and so once you have the ability to kind of overcome that especially in big moments with the national spotlight say hey you know in two weeks against philadelphia on monday night um then you can begin to generate that conversation and of course like you said you need to win a lot of games along the way
0: luke braun you yeah, hammering that 40 have to, to
2: one
1: <laughs> i will not be
2: but if you want to see it um it's, it's game winning drives like a said it, it has to be like mvp is fundamentally a subjective award like determined subjectively so even if he outperforms all of his like statistical categories and all that it's still gonna come down whether or not it should to moments throughout the season where you're gonna have to i i want to see kirk cousins throw game winning touchdown against philly on monday night right that kind of thing is going to get weighted maybe more than it should but that's going to be what matters And also you're, you kind of have to win those games. You have to pull those things off if you want to win a dozen games um, and like rip off all the, those, those good stats, but it's, yeah, he'll have to outperform everything he's done. And that's what we've been sold. If you listen to Kevin O'Connell is that he will, because I'm here and I can fix him. Um, And if you can pull that off and get him to play better situational football, the thing that's been holding him back for a decade, um, then, you know, you can start to talk about it. But it is going to take something that we have not seen before at a clip we haven't seen before.
0: Yeah. Comment on the video on YouTube whether you think Kirk has an MVP chance. Hit us up on Twitter. Um, because Kirk now has this forward-thinking head coach, offensive-minded head coach, and he has all these weapons, Like, will this finally be the definitive year, Luke Inman, where we actually know what Kirk Cousins is? Because the excuses are gone. At this point, if he cannot elevate his play, I guess, will that like bring the Kirk apologists down a notch if, with everything really good around him, if he can't deliver any more than he has?
3: Well, I think the Kirk apologists will always find a way in there. Well, it's the first year of a new system, it's complicated, a lot of verbiage. Yeah. Give him another year, right? But, you know, Bar- as long as everybody's healthy, you're right, there's so much talent around this team. Um, and and at this point in his career, too, where he's at, we know at this point it's not like he's just going to flip a switch and turn, all of a sudden magically um, just drastically improve things like, uh, you know, pocket awareness or mobility, arm strength, things like that. We know where he's at. So I, I think you're right. Uh, um, you know, there'll always be a few, you know, naysayers in that say, well, um, you know, hey, his left tackle was out six games and that really hurt Whatever. I I think this uh, will be kind of the do-or-die year for sure. And then, obviously, you look at his contract coming up, too, as well. Um, They're going to have to make a big decision based off the play this year. And, obviously, we'll we'll find out what he does. But, um, yeah, huge year for sure for Kirk Cousins. Yep.
0: Yeah, Arif, there was always a stat that my old colleague and I, Matthew Collar, talked about. And that was QBR fluctuation. Like, the best quarterbacks are 14 games out of 17 or 15 out of 17 they're giving you a great chance to win. Whereas Kirk Cousins would have so many games, like with a QBR below 50, where he really was giving you no chance to win, and that was happening all too frequently. And people get caught up in the bottom line. What did what were his stats for the season? Oh, they were really good. But if you look at how he got there, he often left you with really impossible situations along the way. So I think a, a huge key, in addition to those big moments, game-winning drives, is just delivering like, a level of consistency where you're going to be in every game and you're not going to be played out of it by your quarterback.
1: Yeah, I know that this is something that that caller has talked a lot about. And just to clarify, when you say QBR, it's clearly referring to ESPN's total QBR zero to one hundred system, not the yep. passer rating system that a lot of people use. Where below fifty would be catastrophic instead of below average. Um Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I it just I just wanted to make that clear that that's what you're. Yeah, talking you about. like
0: fell down on every snap.
1: Yeah yeah exactly right um so uh i i think that that's interesting i know when i was talking to matthew a couple of times in the past just you know conversations that we'll have you know during games or on the way to pressures or something like that you know one thing that you harp on is that kirk would generate you know these really you know remarkable stats against weak opponents and not do it against strong opponents uh, last year was such an interesting contrast to that because i think against uh you know opponents of the winning record something along those lines he actually had like an adjusted net yards per attempt uh, in the top five. And then against uh, opponents where they were below 500 is, uh, his is either his QBR or his adjusted air temp or something that like, was like 22nd in the NFL. It was very weird. It was actually against the bad opponents that he played so poorly last year. And if the Vikings had been consistent and assuming, you know, consistent in a good way, right? Consistent, uh, somewhat near their ceiling, you know, they probably would have won 13, 14 games. It was really remarkable how good the Vikings could be at their best last year. And the quarterback position is a big part of it. I think one thing that kind of gets lost in the performances last year is, yeah, of course, if the defense didn't give up so many points at the end of halves, you know, things would have been a lot different. But one way to make sure the defense is not giving up points is to have the ball and keep it. And so some of that defensive performance, not all of it, not even most of it, but some of it is on the quarterback and on the offense just in general. Um, not having three and outs near the end of games. I think that that's kind of getting lost in a lot of the shuffle. And that's a big part of your performance in high leverage situations is your ability to maintain possession when you need to maintain possession. And I think having all of those elements together, making sure that, you know, the situational awareness, making sure that the consistency, making sure that everything that you do uh, enables winning as opposed to, you know, generating, you know, 60 yards on an 80-yard field with no time left, you know, that that's a nice empty stat. Uh, you know, making sure that everything you do improves your odds of winning as opposed to kind of helps in some of these, you know, tertiary efficiency statistics that, you know, Cousins is very good at generating. He's a top-five quarterback in most efficiency statistics, um, but but doesn't seem to translate into wins.
0: And for the record, the QBR thing, last year, 13 Against Cleveland, 28 against Detroit, 41 against Dallas, 40 against San Francisco, 32 in a win against Pittsburgh when he went 14 of 31. That's right, 23. That game was wild. Oh yeah, that was crazy. 23 <laughs> yeah. against Chicago, 44 against the Rams. Like there was a there was plenty of bad Kirk last year that people conveniently forget because the defense did take a lot of heat. But I mean, Luke Braun, you you have to admit that there were some it's... games like. Kirk, Kirk was getting legit MVP talk after week three last year, and then he played the Cleveland and Detroit games. It's symbiotic. Football
2: is a symbiotic game. And this is why I get like immediately, I want to like check out of conversations when they start going like, well, was it Kirk's fault or the defense's fault? A, both. B, they affect each other. Like if the defense, like Arif said, if you go three and out in a two minute drill, after the defense gives up a touchdown with 150 to go and then you go three and out and give put the defense right back out there with 120 to go and then they give up another score some of that's on you and then on the other hand if you know the defense is putting you in a situation where you have to throw a whole bunch because they let the other team score 35 on them and now you're chasing the game and now that's going to change your play calling and now the other team can pin their ears back and pass rush is going to be harder and like It's all symbiotic and it all affects each other. So I I feel like with Kirk too often, we get into this world of like, well, you know, here was his stats and here was what the defense did. And really it was the defense. It wasn't his fault. And we're taking a result and working backwards. Look at how Kirk played. What did he do? Did he throw a lot of good touchdowns? Did he play well? Did he make decisions that were good? Or did he check down when he wasn't supposed to look at what he did? That's where I go, but MVP is not uh, an award that, like, thinks that way, and the people who who decide MVP are going to think a little bit more results-based, so it is going to be, like, a, a couple of it's fundamentally unfair, so if the defense does give up a whole bunch, and Kirk Cousins is chasing games, and things go wrong, that would be a thing that prevents him from being an MVP, so not only does he have to play well, kind of has to get a little lucky, too.
0: Yeah. That was way too nuanced of a take though. It's gotta be more black and white, Luke. You know that. Come on. Yeah, we need to clip this <laughs> here. Yeah. Yeah. Clickbait. That's what people okay.
2: the that, that, to stream. Clip that.
3: That was such a good point though, uh, uh by a reef though, that that you know, it's not just one thing, it's a multitude of things. And now I'm very interested, what was Kirk Cousins' efficiency in those final two minutes? How many three and outs did he go? Those are stats that now I'm very intrigued to know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when all of a sudden, uh, obviously, all the defense takes all the heat for those last two minutes and the half and the final game. What did Kirk Cousins do in those last couple minutes? I'd love to know and kind of pick, ch- kind of cherry pick those stats.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, the Vikings had numerous instances where they, like, had a chance to answer a late drive inside of two minutes. Instead, mm-hmm. went three and out, gave the ball back for the team to score twice in the last how many times did you said, okay
3: um, just need one first down here and yeah. it should be locked up that's all you need uh-huh. and they couldn't do it you know I mean it, hard to say now but I think if we were to go back and find out I, I think that would just be able to add a little bit more fuel to the fire
1: yeah that'd be, that'd be fun to track one kind of sort of relevant it doesn't directly answer your question but it kind of speaks to, to the broader nature of it is you know uh, uh Alec and I worked on a piece on Kirk Cousins uh, that got that went live this morning What are the statistics in there is Crook's uh, performance at the final two minutes of the game. Not final two minutes of the half, which I think is a lot of what we're talking about. but The final mm-hmm. two minutes of the game over the last three years, what the Vikings have done in situations where either they need a touchdown uh, in order to win or tie the game, or they need a score of any type. Uh, and in that first scenario, in the final five minutes of the game, if they need a touchdown to score... Um, the Vikings rank 24th in touchdown rate on those drives, 24th, right? Mm-hmm. That's pretty catastrophically bad for somebody who's supposed to be an average or above average or in terms of some efficiency statistics, you know, top five, right? Um, if, if you're going to be in the MVP conversation, you need to bring your team up to that level. Now, if it's a score of any type, right, if it's a field goal or a touchdown or anything along those lines, if, if, if the Vikings were within one score, the final five minutes of the game, uh, the Vikings rank 22nd, in uh in scoring rate now mind you that one is a little bit different because uh in that situation the kicker matters and the number of missed field goals leads the league with three um but the rate of missed field goals like twelve and a half percent something like that um is dependent both on the offense's ability to get the kicker into a reasonable range like I don't want to put it on the kicker if they missed a 60 yard field goal um But also, even when you add in missed field goals as if they're all made, the Vikings still don't climb above 15th. They're still a below-average team in the final five minutes of a game where they need one score to win. So uh, I – It's it's very frustrating to have these kinds of conversations about somebody that, you know, in some of these games, like Kirk against Green Bay last year was phenomenal, right? In some of these games, there's just some really excellent performances. There's something to tap into, especially, you know, against Green Bay. Dalvin Cook hasn't been able to do very much running the ball, right? And so it, it became incumbent upon Kirk to score those points, and he did, right? Really fantastic stuff. So it becomes really frustrating when, you know, when you do have the final moments in the game. And, and and he can't do it. And what's really interesting, what's really funny, is that this doesn't translate into overtime as soon as the clock winds to zero, and they get mm. into overtime. He's effective again, right? It's, he's a really effective overtime quarterback, because the situation yeah. is now back to what it is in the first quarter, where he's also yeah. generally speaking, an effective quarterback. Mm. So a really it's kind of like bizarre scenario. Them, yeah. yeah, exactly. He did That it, in it, Baltimore it's... last year, though. Well, yeah, but I mean, like he didn't fumble the ball against Arizona, right? <laughs> like, um, it, it's 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 interesting because it, I think it has to deal with situational awareness and how your uh play should change when you have to deal with two minute or four minute scenarios. It's just that's not something that that clicks for him.
0: And Kirk, as he said yesterday, and as Kevin O'Connell said yesterday, they're not really looking for him to change. They expect the same Kirk, which is mildly controversial. I mean, you might expect people to be a little more gung-ho about the prospects of getting the most out of him, getting more out of him. But no, no, Kirk is going to be Kirk. Kirk is okay being Kirk, and the Vikings are okay with Kirk being Kirk. So a lot of Kirk being Kirk. We've got a packed show left today. Um, we got predictions to make for the upcoming season. Before we get to that, a reminder that if you are not ordering Built Bar Puffs, what are you doing? Because they're so delicious, delectable, delightful, light, fluffy, textured cookie dough, chunk puffs, only 160 calories, a whopping 15 grams of protein. Don't walk. Run to Built.com. That's the web address. Go on your phone, go on your laptop, um, and order Built Bars because they're made with collagen protein and your body absorbs them more efficiently. They taste great. And they're great for you. I like to have one every day before the Minnesota football party so I can have energy to make it through this show with these rascals. Um, you're going to love them. Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs, built.com, promo code locked on 15. Get 15% off your order so you can buy dozens of them. Use promo code locked on 15. That's locked on 15. I've got 10 categories here, guys, where we are going to predict aspects of the Minnesota Vikings season. There's four of us, so we cannot linger too long, but I would encourage a brief explanation, if you have it, of your pick. We will revisit this in about four months and see how we did. Um, Our our guy, Matt DeBritz, back in the studio, he can pull the audio. We'll have some clips of what we said, Um, and this can be really fun because you see how far off you were or how you nailed it. So let's start with where we just talked. Kirk Cousins game winning drives how many will he have we'll go around the horn if you're watching on youtube and that begins with luke inman
3: oh, somebody's got to remind me how many did kirk cousins have last season four
0: three or four
1: four last year. four three fourth quarter comebacks four game winning drives
3: Okay, three comebacks, four game-winning drives. Okay, I think, obviously, you have to think about the defensive situation. How many opportunities is he going to have to actually lead this team comeback? I'm going to go with four again. I'm going to say four.
0: All right.
1: All right. For, for me, I think uh, one element of why he had you know, so many game-winning drives last year, a quarter of the season, is because of how many close games they were in. Uh, I believe mm-hmm. 14, they tied uh, the 2015 Ravens for the most close games uh, ever. Uh, in an NFL season. I don't think that's going to happen again, and those close games are what enable game-winning drive opportunities. Now, mind you, his rate of game-winning drives was still low. I think it will uh, maintain that same kind of rate. I think he'll have two. I'll
2: go with three. I'll just put myself right in the middle there.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go three as well. I think it's a step down from last year, but not a huge step. I think he's probably more efficient in those situations, but he'll have fewer of those opportunities. All right, that was nice and uh, tidy, gentlemen. Let's go Dalvin Cook rushing yards and continue going around the horn, Luke.
3: I'm going to go with 1,100. Dalvin averages, what, 11.3 games in his career per season. Obviously, you know, he, what, rookie season, he played, what, three and a half games. So that lowers that average a bit. Um, but typically he does miss two to three to four, maybe games-ish a season. Um, I still think he's going to be very efficient when he's in there, but keep it in mind that, you know, he may be dinged up for two or three games. I think it could be even higher, but I'm going to go with 1,108 rushing yards in 2022. Go ahead. Vault me, Sam. Play this back to me at the end of the season when I nail it.
1: 1,108. <laughs> <laughs> eight i love the specificity mm-hmm. um i think that uh i i, I think that it is uh, overstated how many games Dalvin Cook will miss, but I'm going to end up with a very similar uh, prediction to Luke. I'm just going to go off of my fantasy article over the athletic, kind of trying to predict who the Vikings players, or how the Vikings players will do. I think the issue for him is going to have fewer opportunities to run the ball because it's a an offense that runs the ball less and might give it to more ball carriers. So I think he's going to go from 20 uh, or a little bit over 20 carries a game over the last two years to something like 18. So for me, my prediction ended up being, I'm going to be even more specific than Luke, 1,169.8 1, yards.
3: Woo! I love it. So, and to a point, uh, I, I agree. He, I think he does have less attempts this year. I just think they're more efficient. I think he's going to see less stacked boxes. I think they set up the run by, uh, um, you know, passing first and things like that. But I do agree with you. I think he does have less touches per game than he did last season. So
0: is 1169 was your prediction or eleven seventy eight? Your are 1169. okay that that is important to note all right luke braun
2: all right so i'm thinking like something like 82 a game sounds about fair sounds about like in the same range as everybody else is in say he misses three games 14 times 82 that'd be eleven i'll go with that wow we're We're
0: all all very similarly thinking so this was my calculation be bold i figured 225 as the number of carries which is a reduction at increased efficiency, so 4.9 per carry, that arrives at 11.02. So I know it feels like I just prices righted you, Luke Inman. I'm sorry about that. But be tough. if it goes below 1100, because we're not necessarily, we, it's okay if you go over in this game. So if he's under 1100, Luke Inman wins. So you're actually in a pretty good spot. <laughs> Justin Jefferson receiving yards.
3: Luke. I Inman. didn't play this right. Boy, Um, I got to look ahead here. Are we going to do receptions as well? No, we're just doing receiving yards. Okay, Uh, I'm going to say 1688. And I know Cooper Cup, I mean, what a season. 191 targets, 145 catches, 1,947 yards. Um, I do think Justin Jefferson has the best statistical season of his career I think he catches well over 100 balls I think he isn't in that Cooper Cup role Um, but 1688 I think maybe to some even falls short of some expectations that we put on him still an incredible season 1688 final answer Sam
1: all right. Uh, I'm going to say that Justin Jefferson does an exact repeat at 16-16. Uh, the reason for that, I think, is uh, you know, he's been completely healthy his whole career. That doesn't mean he will continue to be completely healthy. I think he misses one or two games, but I do think that he is going to get more yards per game and a slightly more efficient offense. That's going to throw him a little bit further downfield, so more receptions per game, more yards per game, more yards per reception, maybe a couple fewer games. So I'm going to go 16-16. Nice.
2: We are being way too responsible. JJ Do says it. he's going go over 2K. Go I'm not going to tell him he's wrong. 2010. Let's go. He's setting records. Over <laughs> Let's 2,000. Go.
3: Somebody's got to represent Justin Jefferson's own opinion we on this. <laughs> you know, it, it's one th- one thing that doesn't get talked about enough with the Cooper Cup season. He did play all 17 games. I mean, it, Arif's right. If he, JJ, misses even just one or two games, so hard to reach kind of the stats that were, you know, everybody, even nationally, is expecting from JJ at this point. Obviously, hope he does it, um, but uh, really tough to play 17 games.
0: He's done it the last two years, so I'm going to assume he does right. it again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to add one catch per game. From last year, which might be modest, but I think 125 as your total is still a pretty good total. At 15 yards per reception, I'm going 18-7-5 league leader in receiving. 18-7-5. JJ. All right, Adam Thielen TDs. He's been a touchdown monster. How many does he have this year, Luke?
3: Uh, even when he misses what three to four games, tweaks his ankle, rolls that ankle, maybe in London, something like that. He's still going to get 12 TDs this year, Sam. I mean, he's a red zone machine. Nobody field
0: quality in London. Is the grass going to be slippery?
3: No, absolutely not. No, (laughs) I, I, I would never, I would never. Um, Besides Devontae Adams, nobody scored more red zone touchdowns as a receiver than Adam Thien in the last two years. You're right. I expect that to keep up, even in a little bit different role here, different uh, offensive scheme. I still think he ends up with 12 touchdowns.
1: Yeah, I think that his yardage total will remain somewhat limited. And generally speaking, mm-hmm. receivers produce about one touchdown for every 100 yards. But that's, you know, that's general, right? I don't think that's Adam Thielen. I think that, you know, the Vikings recognize him specifically as a red zone weapon. Whether or not they're right, they're going to treat him that way, which means he's going to get targets in the red zone. And I think that he'll uh, be able to beat regression once again. I think that he's going to, maybe not 12, I'm going to go with 10 uh touchdowns cuz you know he's going to miss a couple of games here and there and, uh, and the Vikings are going to have more receivers available to them in the red zone but 10 for me is the prediction
2: bet on lines over under for Adam Thielen has gone down in touchdowns it's 7 now
1: it's probably because of uh,
2: things i What written.
0: do they know? <laughs> insider <laughs> info They
2: probably are well neither Luke nor Reef Projected anything for they they basically did the optimistic thing of I'm gonna what if he misses half the season so I'm gonna go with seven as I do still think even if he misses half the season he can still like have a couple of games where he gets two touchdowns and like bring it back but I'm gonna go with the over under just to zig while everybody else is zagging we'll go seven
0: he's going chalk you know I think there that's definitely possible Luke because of the Herb Smith effect in the red zone Jefferson in the red zone Osborne vulturing. Um, maybe being a little more effective running the ball in the red zone, which they were not last year. I'm still going to – I want to do this because I want to thread the needle and make the most difficult prediction to win, and I'm going to go 11 because I have to hit it on the nose, and I feel pretty good about it. Um, so right in between Luke and Arif. Luke, you're hoping for uh, for a low – Luke Braun, I should say. You uh, You need it below 9 for you to win. Luke Inman, you need 12 or more.
2: I'm emotionally hedging
3: right. against an Adam Thielen injury. You know, Luke Braun did turn to me at training camp practice. He said, you know, Thielen, he, he looks a tick slower, but you know what? I could still see him putting up some three-catch, three-touchdown type of games just because he's still, I mean, he's still that guy down in the red zone for sure. For
1: sure. Daniel predictions
3: and a ticked-off.
0: Zedarius Smith so always come out on top combined sacks this season if you want to weigh in on the Zadarius Smith versus the Green Bay Pappers brouhaha feel free to do so as you give your prediction Luke
3: I'm gonna go with boy this one's tough right I mean you got two different elements I, I'm gonna go with 28 and a half 28 and a half 14 14 and a half each something like that um I don't know exactly. We we know at Donatel's defense, 3-4 defense, Darius has been in a 3-4 before. I don't know exactly how they're going to use Hunter. Maybe you guys have a better idea of how they're moving him around over the A-gap on the edge. Is there going to be some hand in the dirt situation? Is he going to drop back in coverage a little bit more? I don't know. But I got to think at the end of the day, they're going to pin these guys here back, especially on third and long, and just have them get in the backfield. When healthy, that's the big thing. Knock on wood, Hunter's. 16 games, uh, what, the last two years outside of last year. So what, 2019, 2020, 14 and a half sacks. So that seems about right. Um, and Zedarius, we know what he can do when he's healthy as well. So if they stay healthy, I don't even need him to stay 17 game healthy. If they just give me 15, 14, 15 games, I think they can reset 28 uh, sack level. Oh. Uh,
1: to, to me, I think uh, the issue is I don't know that, uh Z'Darrius Smith is as high a sack guy going forward as he was during his peak season. If you take a look at his healthy, full-time non-peak playing seasons, you know, he was a sixty pressure guy as opposed to with a one hundred pressure guy. He was in twenty nineteen. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take Luke's prediction and keep Daniel Hunters basically fourteen and a half fifteen, 15 uh, and ratchet down, maybe even cut in half Zadarius Smith. I'm gonna say uh, you know, twenty-three sacks between the two of them.
2: Uh, once again, the over-under is way below this, at least for Daniil Hunter. Uh, Bet Online has him at 11 sacks right now. Yeah. And I think Look. with Fangio style defenses, with his Donatel defense, it might spread the wealth a little bit more, too. Um, I could see the team generating a bunch of sacks, but seeing random rotational players getting uh, a greater share of them just because of the way things move around and the way offenses will react to that. Um, so I might go yeah, Von with Miller, a famous for not getting 20. sacks.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Some uh, props go on 20, Daniel Hunter. Daniil Hunter, twenty. Deniel Hunter forty to one and, defensive yeah, player of the year. That might be okay. Hmm. Defensive yeah, player I, of the year. Sixty-six what you're to at, one comeback player of the year. Sixty-six.
1: Oh, okay. So wait, his future his comeback player of the year. His his comeback of the year sixty-six to one. His defensive player of the year is what was it?
0: 40 to one. And I just think that's one. because. Yeah, I I think comeback player of the year, he's just maybe not as – um, like, he wasn't down enough. Right. Like, if it had been last year where he missed the whole season – Can
1: you name some other comeback of the like, year candidates uh, just so I get some context of who he's competing with? Well, like Derek so Henry, C-Mac. I mean, those are Vikings, all offensive guys.
3: Is it separate?
1: No, comeback is, is anybody. No.
3: Yeah, Derek Henry, I think, was the leader, right? C-Mac was in there. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster Give was a, a second, long shot. That.
1: Guys, the Juju smith for one, that one's tough for me. I don't know. It just feel, it feels like we don't have as many obvious. Because like, Teddy couldn't win it because the Alex Smith story was just way too compelling, right? Like, that right. was right. – like, there was a lot of competitors that year. Um, it, it, But some years, like, Phillip Rivers came back from being a bad quarterback to win comeback player of the year, right? <laughs> so yeah, Your know.
2: odds-on favorite is Christian McCaffrey.
1: Yeah, McCaffrey, to me, is probably the, the only one that, like,
3: strikes out as an obvious one. Yeah, right. McCaffrey just stays healthy. He wins that, I think, for sure. Four out of five times, for sure. What's next?
0: The correct answer on the sacks, by the way, is going to be twenty-two and a half. Zadarius will have Oof. nine of them, and six will come against Green Bay because <laughs> he's mad. <laughs> mad. I. I don't. I, this feels, and this is this is an early party foul. Zadarius speaks to the media two days ago, three days ago and completely downplays that there's any rivalry whatsoever. Then National Guy calls him on the cell phone, and he spills his guts to about how bad Green Bay treated him. Party foul on Zedarius for not giving us the real story, but I love that there's some rivalry here. It's great. Whenever there are former players that are ticked off, whether it's justified or not, like when Everson Griffin... Got mad at Mike Zimmer for calling him a good player instead of a great player. I love yes. that stuff, so I'm yes. all about it. <laughs> um, we got five more. Greg Joseph, field goals inside of two minutes left. What will be his accuracy? What out of what in those situations? This is your chance to predict a cataclysmic special teams meltdown, Luke.
3: Yeah, I, I would love to know again what he did last year just to have something to go off of. I got to imagine, though, just top of my head that you're going to be in that situation once every two, maybe three games at most, so-called two and a half. So I'm going to say there's about six to eight attempts. I'm going to say he goes five for seven in those situations. Um
1: I, I just don't know that there are gonna be as many situations where you've got game winning field goals on the line. I, I mentioned that I thought that there was gonna be fewer opportunities for Kirk Cousins in the game winning drive segment. Um he went what two of four last year. I think um that he'll maybe only have three of those opportunities. I think he's gonna nail uh two of them. So I'm gonna go two of three or sixty six percent, right? Because we want the field goal percentage. So I'll go uh, you know, two thirds.
3: Well, and I just want to clarify, it's not necessarily game-winning. It's just if he kicks a field goal inside of two minutes left, right? Is that correct? That's what it sounded I, like.
0: I did not clarify in the category. Yeah. So Luke read it correctly. I might yeah. have been thinking that, like it was a high-leverage kick. And it doesn't have to be go-ahead kick. Like it, a big kick would be yeah. you're up by yeah. seven and you need to make it to go up by ten. By 10. Yeah. Like the, the Gary Anderson situation, that would be a big kick. So I, I'll go with Luke Inman's interpretation. <laughs> course. okay
1: yeah, i've never heard yeah. that name
0: before
1: you mean morton never Anderson? heard of her
0: i remember him kicking a couple times. alec lewis Martin. hasn't heard great of him guy yet. oh we love you alex please come back <laughs> yeah. on the show <laughs>
2: <laughs> um it's made game winning kicks or is it like blank out of blank
0: blank out of blank blank
2: four out of six i guess i don't, I don't have a great frame of reference for this one so i'm going to just throw out a number and move on
0: yeah, I thought of it like a reef. I thought about three opportunities, and maybe that's low. But I just think that Matt Daniels had the kiss of death when he said it was going to be Greg Joseph's greatest year ever, and the guy never Are you misses. you second? How... I'm gonna go one of three. He'll make Do one. Do it. Do okay. it. He'll.
2: You only think. You-, you only think he's gonna you can have like a 65-yarder in there, like desperation at- before you go to overtime. Like there could be weird stuff in there.
1: It's true. They did say they wanted to give him longer kick opportunities.
3: Anything is possible. I just I just feel – yeah, okay. All right. I guess I'm at a disadvantage because I go first. Maybe mine seems way high. I just think in 17 games, two minutes or under, minute and 50 seconds left to go up uh, nine instead of six, I just think they'll have more than three kicks. But I could be way off. We'll find out.
0: We will find out. And I don't really know either, Luke. I don't know what, what the number was last year. Um, this is a sad one. Week one starters that get injured <laughs> and lost for the season.
3: Jesus, dark, Give me a number. man, dark. Oh yeah. well, they hired that. Um, they hired that uh, guy from the Rams, Tyler Smith. Can't remember his name, top of my head, but um, he's got a great track record. I'm going to say zero in week one specifically. I'm going to say zero.
1: Well, it's it's people who started week one, who then go on to sustain a season-ending injury, right? So it's not. Number of injuries that occur in week one in just week one. Don't change it. Yeah, just keep it. it. Don't change it. Zero. I'd keep. I think we turned the the answer um, off. Yeah,
0: the correct answer would have been one last year. Daniel, because Everson was not a starter, even though he kind of was in spirit. Um, but I think okay. it was one.
3: Well, what's injured for the season right, cause, then? Because Irv Smith Irv a yeah, count. Week, week, week sixteen, or week concussion for right. week sixteen. I mean, that's kind of tough. Uh, we'll, I we'll, it was week we'll hash one that out. We'll hash
1: that out at the end of the season and whether or not it felt like a season-ending injury. <laughs> Fair enough. that, that would be a good, sense. a good
0: three-minute debate down the road. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am sure I yeah. will be very reasonable for whichever and one makes argue a way feels that does not benefit me. Yeah.
1: Right. I don't know what you're talking about. So. Yeah, because cause Irv Smith wouldn't have counted last year, right? Because it was right before week one, um, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering the timelines correctly. Um, so uh, I'm going to go with uh, with three. The Vikings have had it too good for too long. Uh, they're going to have a couple of, of starters hurt. I'm not going to go ahead and predict who that is because uh, it's going to make me look smarter in the end when we play this back. So I'm going to say it's probably it's going to be three. They've got some random old heads on the team. They've got some injury concerns throughout uh and then i am excited to debate what that means in about 19 weeks gentlemen
2: in the interest of spirited debate in 19 weeks i'm gonna pick a number that's one away from a reef and it's either two or four i guess i'll go with oh, two
1: Jeez, oh Love you're going
2: it. down
0: <laughs> i'll go with two two
1: as long as it's good content uh, so okay, too I'm, I'm in the middle. I'm 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 gonna be writing up argument briefs for every possible scenario starting at this moment.
3: <laughs> wow, you guys are I'm dark. Call my I think shot. Gonna, there's okay. gonna be that many injuries. Oh, wow, you guys, do guys don't bleed. Wow. Um, zero, <laughs> I mean, the is, zero. The issue is zero. that other zero. people
1: bleed too much. That's the that's our concern. That's true. Patrick <laughs> Peterson
0: and Christian Darisaw. <laughs> well, no,
1: literally. Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Well, Okay. in season acquisitions
0: right. by quasi who play 100 or more snaps so people he picks up who actually contribute
1: just, just to clarify this does not include special team snaps or does it
0: this does
3: not okay okay well that's good clarification there reef because that's huge I'm, I'm trying to think last year how many was it i'm trying they traded for chris herndon two years ago they traded for what ngakwe herndon uh, was not an in-season uh, acquisition Okay. Uh I'm gonna Mugakwe go. Both with both was
2: and was not an in season trade. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Did he even play more than hundred snaps? I'm gonna go with one and, and honestly. The sacks, bro. I don't even know if it's gonna be one. I'm gonna go with one. I'll, I'll start the uh the round table. I'll go with one, Sam. Here you go. <laughs> one <laughs> sorry, is the number. Just,
0: sorry, the fact that I for forgot to about Gotway leading the team. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. <laughs> He did. <laughs> he was okay. gone by
2: week six. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh well, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. It sounds like he's having a oh, nice guy. Great, guy, great guy, great guy. He's um, doing way better. Yeah, well, and Daniil, so...
0: Daniil. was gone after after six games as well, and he didn't he lead until like the last week when DJ him? That's right. Him?
1: When DJ Wanham got a cleanup. When Justin DJ Fields Wanham, gave it to him. Right.
0: Yeah, one of his it's many cleanup sacks. Just doing Daniel dirty in every possible way for two consecutive <laughs> okay, so, years. Okay, so
3: <laughs> okay, unless you already looked it up, don't spoil it. Y- Yannick had five sacks, led the team. Who was second on the team? Ah, uh, it's probably a defensive tackle,
1: right? Oh, uh, uh,
3: basically defensive tackle. Kendrick Sam got it. A Fetty Eric Adenibal. Wilson yeah, third Eddie. with three. Hilarious.
0: Eric Wilson.
3: Yeah with yep. three special yeah, like team Wilson. safety what at year.
1: linebacker oh 122
3: <laughs> tackles eight tackles for loss led, led the team in tackles for loss and quarterback hits all
1: right uh my prediction is that because there's not enough cap space to make trades you're not going to trade for anybody who's worth anything my prediction is zero
3: yeah i i <laughs> want her to go zero but okay fair enough
1: 100 snaps
2: is a lot. I don't really see any situations where you have an injury and you don't, you have such bad depth that you have to go get like a full time starter via trade or something like that. Uh, ex- unless it's some kind that. of emergency like Kirk Cousins or something. Um, like the depth is bad, but you're going to play the bad player. It's not so bad you're going to go get an acquisition. Yeah. Uh, so I too am going with zero.
0: So I think. <laughs> Isn't there some incentive? Isn't he a free agent? Like, that doesn't count as a trade. Oh, acquisi- you said acquisition. Do that again. No, no, no it's, it's right. acquisition. Acquisit- do that again. Acquisition. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm still it's saying free yeah, agent. Right. 100 snaps is a lot. Isn't there some incentive to wait to pick these guys up until the season starts After for cap won. implications? Yes, there is. Just saying. I'm going to go one. It's going to be a big one. I think, I think it has do to I do with guarantee guarantee money for that? Them,
1: though. I don't think it like changes the cap number. I think it's just guaranteed money. Yeah, it changes guaranteed money, which maybe, but right yeah but like whatever that's why they cut like brett jones and
0: then signed him right after week one like two years ago all right we got two more win-loss record granddaddy and we've also got a bonus prediction where you can literally predict anything you want um win-loss
3: luke inman let's well, go go to, 17 yeah, you know, it <laughs> calm down relax <laughs> shut the fire off sam take it easy let the dog out. go for a walk maybe let the the dog walk you sam holy (laughs) smokes what's going on at the extremes man put down the bill bars bro that's enough remember what the doctor said dude that's enough Um, um here's the thing it's funny because the over under started at eight and a half i think it's now moved to nine or if not nine and a half still gonna punch the over i'm gonna go ten and seven I think they're a much better team than they were last year, even though they're in so many close games. They obviously weren't bad of a team. They just couldn't close these games out. My worry is, and Luke Brown's pointed this out before, these first four games, man, are tough, and they could easily start two and two, if not one and three. I still think they put up double-digit wins. Ten and seven, final answer.
1: All right. Um I think that they uh, fundamentally, to me, are a, a ten-win team as well. But I just want it to be slightly different than Luke's. Um, so I'm going to go actually up, not down, because I did say ten wins. I'm going to go ten, six, and one, um, and uh, and, <laughs> and that and that tie is going to screw them beautifully somehow. Like if they had gone eleven and uh, and six,
3: they would have had like uh, they would have won the division. But ten, six, mm-hmm. and one, they don't. Okay, please, we we need a bonus prediction. Who's the tie against? Patriots on Thanksgiving. Run on oh, Thanksgiving. Gosh. Oh god. I, no, I think the tie has to be just embarrassing. I'm gonna go with the Lions. Love it. Usually it's a division team. Teams know each other yeah. so well. Okay, that makes sense. I like it. Okay. All right. Plus the Lions just have this monstrously good set of, of offensive defensive lines. I
1: just it, perfect to me.
2: Kirk Cousins' five hundred energy is just more powerful than any of us. Eight eight and one, the ties against the Bears. <laughs>
3: You guys are sick. You guys are sick. How dare you? I
0: would like to dedicate my prediction to a wonderful person who was in my mentions last night. I want to dedicate this prediction to at Jack Viking, who said the following last night on my Twitter. Vikings need some homers like the Bears and Packers. CHGO Pod picking Bears to win between 9 and 11 games. Pack-a-day Pod picking Packers to blow out Vikings Sunday. All we have is PA, and he's barely picking over the Vegas win total. We get 90% media who don't like the QB. Well, guess what, Jack Viking? 12 and 5! 12 and 5! Get it. Love it. We're doing this. That's it? Unbeaten at home. Dude. 12 yeah, and right, 5. i on this one. Take that! <laughs>
1: Doesn't
3: bleed. Doesn't Needs bleed. Needs some homers.
0: Uh, there's a uh, ring at the doorbell. Guest of honor, Ron Johnson, joins us just in time to make his Minnesota Vikings season win loss prediction. Ron, we just went around the horn. You probably saw me get upset there. I'm going 12 <laughs> and 5. Uh, Luke Bron's going 8, 8 and 1. So we've got some optimists. We've got some pessimists. Let me put you on the spot right away. What are you thinking? for the Vikings win-loss? Uh,
4: man, I've gone back and forth. I'm going to say, honestly, I'm, I'm still sticking to my 10 or 11 wins. I think it's going to be a tough. It, it was tough early, and it's gotten tougher. You look at the Saints, Uh, you look at the Eagles. Um, I don't know if it's me watching social media too much, but Jameis Winston, his confidence is giving me confidence in him. Like, he has thrown for 5,000 yards. Uh, he has you know, Yes, he threw for 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions, but he threw 5,000 yards in the season. So and they had only lost one game when he was healthy with the Saints. So, I'm, I, you know, Jarvis Landry, you had the honey badger. The Saints aren't as easy as we thought. Um, you look at the Eagles. They got better with A.J. Brown. Uh, I'm just I'm just not completely sold that those are easy as easy as wins as I thought they would be. Uh, so I'm going to stick with like 10 to 11 wins. Uh, it, it's going to be a tough one. But again, we never know. I, I said they split with the Packers. If they find a way to beat the Packers twice, beat the Bears twice, and beat the Lions twice, that's six right there. So we'll see. Game one is going to tell us. But I'm going to go with 10 or 11 wins. You're the leader
0: of the Kirk Cousins fan club, though. I was expecting 13 or more. People are talking about Kirk Cousins MVP, Ron. You got to go big with this guy. Ron has yeah, Richard, too much get... respect. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Rich Gannon won the MVP too. <laughs> he won 11 games that year, even though it was a 16 game season. That. They were five. Uh, he won MVP. They had a great playoff run. So season doesn't matter as long as they make the playoffs. I feel like Kevin O'Connell is going to do enough with Kirk Cousins that once they make the playoffs, that's when it's going to count. Uh, but yeah, Rich Gannon, what 20 years ago won the won the MVP? My rookie in the NFL. Uh, John Gruden had just left and went to the Bucs. Uh, Bill Callahan came in for the Raiders. I was at that Super Bowl, uh, Raiders, uh, Bucks, and yeah, Rich Gannon didn't do enough to win it, but he did enough that season for people to feel like, you know what, this guy, he's a little old, a little long in the tooth, but he can be an MVP. And so I think, because Kyle Brandt tried to say it with uh, Game Day or whatever, Good Morning Football, and uh, he was wrong. He said John Gruden was the coach. That was not the coach. Uh, But where he was right was, Right coach, right offense, right system, and right quarterback. And I think that's where Kirk Cousins is right now. He has the right coach, he has the right system, um, and he is the right quarterback. So I'm, I'm looking forward to what they can do. But, yeah, they win 11 games, they get in the playoffs. Hey, now they're playing with house money. It's anybody's game in the playoffs. So that's where I think the key is.
0: We'll go around the horn here, hit you with some questions. But a reminder, check out the today's Ron Johnson show with Cam Bynum. Viking starting safety Ooh. talks about Marshawn Lynch practicing with Cal in Australia. Super interesting. He's got a lot of good stories on that show. Check it out on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Luke and what do you got?
3: Hey, Ron, it seems like all offseason uh training camp, OTA's preseason teams, they got all their focus and energy on just getting better as a team, right? Learning the new playbook, nuances of a new system, the verbiage, hashtag chemistry, all that stuff. So at what point do teams usually start preparing for their week one opponent? Is it just like any other game where you start prepping the week prior? Is it immediately after their last preseason game? Or especially when it's a huge game like opening against the Packers, is it kind of in the back of everyone's mind throughout the entire offseason workouts? Like when does the game planning officially
4: start? It starts today. Uh, To be honest, it starts today. Uh, for the coaches, they've already been planning this. Like they started probably planning this first, you know, first summer meetings together. They were getting ready because they know the staff's going to be there. Uh, Kirk Cousins probably got some inklings of what to expect for the Packers. Uh, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, but the guys you can't give the playbook to are the guys you might cut. And so that's the mm. other part of this is they can't unveil everything all summer because they're going to cut guys, and that's why you see so many sneaky signings uh where like they'll pick up a vikings player of the week they're playing the vikings hoping that they can get some intel from them um but at the end of the day it, it starts today for all the especially the rookies lewis scene and those guys even though they probably knew he's making the team uh all those guys it starts you know it started first thing 6 a.m this morning i'm guessing when they got their ipad uploads and they got to uh got to the facility to lift weights or whatever they had to do um it starts now when they hit the field today that's the goal, like that's the goal. Or sorry, no, yesterday, I'm, I, my days are off because of Memorial or uh, the holiday, Labor Day. Uh, yesterday, so yesterday, today is Thursday. i I'm, I'm got to get my days together. So yesterday, Wednesday, it started. Not today, Wednesday, because today is not Wednesday. Today is Thursday, but we only worked on Tuesday, Wednesday. So today to me is Wednesday, but whatever. Um, but yeah, yesterday, so it started yesterday, we got all their film and stuff. So like when we saw Cam Bynum come off the field yesterday, Um, that was the first time they all probably saw like this is how we're going to attack Aaron Rodgers. Uh, This is the coverages we're going to run. Cam Bynum talked about playing cornerback uh, and, and, you know, how he continues to cover guys because he loves covering still in the slot. He was a corner for four years. You don't just let that go, but he knew like, hey, I got to be a safety. Trying to figure out and be a safety and be in this mix of guys, I think that's going to be the key uh, for the team. But it started yesterday. The, The planning started yesterday. Once they made the cuts, It started, you know, inkling in and trinkling in for the players. Uh, They're like, hey, here's the playbook. You know, we let all the guys go. uh, And, you know, it's time to get ready for the Packers. iPads got uploaded. But, yeah, yesterday and Wednesday is when they started focusing on Packers.
3: That's really interesting. For some reason, I thought – It would be a little bit before that, a little sooner, especially against the Packers, but it makes a lot of sense, right? The reasoning makes total sense. You don't want the Bill Belichicks of the world going out and plucking these guys and stealing some playbooks and, and some of your schemes and things like that. So that makes a lot of sense. Very cool.
2: In honor of uh, Z'Darrius Smith, be it as a player or as a member of the media, what's the pettiest thing you've ever done?
4: I don't really know. Like my, my petty is like my toxic trait, I guess. Like, I send a lot of as per oh, my fantastic. email. Um, so that's I, I always do that. Like I'm big on the like per my email. Like when they ask me the same question I already <laughs> answered, I'm a big per my uh, I I've learned though, like with my wife, I can't do that anymore. because uh, she's sensitive. But yeah, no, but I, I do internally, like when she does something and I know like I've already told her this, I internalize it. I don't externalize it because then she gets mad. Uh, but no yeah that's 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 kind of my petty trade. I constantly do the per my previous email or like I'll screenshot a text and send it right back to the person when they say oh I didn't see it like oh yeah you responded though like on Tuesday. Uh here's your text. <laughs> no. Can't come back from that. Like your only response like my So yeah that's that's my level of control.
1: Oh that's good. I love that. That's great. I love that. I love that. Uh, I'm going to circle back to football hey, a little bit. This,
4: but... The pettiest thing I've done on Twitter. Um, there's a guy at Fox 9, I won't say who, but he. I know he's a Badgers fan. And so when the Badgers lose to anybody, especially somebody they shouldn't lose to, I constantly come up with, like, I have memes in my holster waiting for Badger losses. <laughs> I can just spam stuff. I already got, like, things ready to go for this season. The minute they lose to somebody, that's why I was hoping Iowa lost. Um, but it's not as fun because, like, Ian Leonard at Fox is the only real Iowa guy that I know. But there's another guy at Fox that, like, he takes it really personal uh, that whenever we clown the Badgers, uh, you know, like, he gets upset. Like, I I went on Fox one day and I asked the GM, could I do it? And on uh, the national show before, I forgot who who they're about to play, but before Reggie Bush and them took over, I basically kept saying the Badgers suck. Like, I was like, they suck, the coach sucks, like, I'm sick of this. And he was, he sent me a message like, that's so unprofessional. And then I just sent him a text screen from the GM, saying, "Hey, yep, feel free to say the Badgers suck." So yeah, that's that's my level of petty though with the Badgers, though. I love that one.
1: That's good. That's good. I'm not going to top that with my question. My question is very like cut and dry football, but I actually just kind of relate to Cameron Bynum a little bit. I'm really excited about uh, you know his uh, potential level of play. I'm really excited this opportunity gets to start. I'm glad that the Vikings uh, didn't just hand the job off and that and that Cameron Bynum was able to win it. But I do have concerns about Lewis scene, and I want to know when we should be concerned, right? And I'm not saying week one is when we should be. I just want to know what time we hit that button, especially if the Vikings don't actually implement um, that many three safety looks like we expected them to do. If he doesn't see the field, at what point should we be like, huh, I don't know, is that pick going to work out?
4: Well, he's athletically gifted. Uh, his size, he's going to He's going to contribute on special teams. He's going to play. Uh, the plays he made in the preseason look really good. This is the thing about Cam Bynum, though. Just because you draft a guy in the first round doesn't mean it's his job. And, and I think that's where we get thrown off sometimes. We assume a first rounder should have the job. Um, I think we got caught in that with Laquan Treadwell. I think if we had just taken Laquan Treadwell at face value of he's going to be a good number three, I don't think we would have seen that. You know, I don't think we would have the same feelings towards him as we did. Um, but when you look at Lewisine, I think the biggest note to remember is Ed Reed didn't start right away. I mean, again, I think eventually by like play four or five in the first game, he he was the starting safety. Uh, but Ed Reed went through the whole preseason, everything as the number two safety. Eventually, he earned it uh, like in the first game. But you know that not and not to say he's going to be a pro bro like Ed Reed. But some teams don't just throw rookies in there if they don't feel like they're really ready to go. And you have a guy like Cam Bynum who's actually really good. Um, Don't sacrifice his production just because you drafted the guy, knowing that, hey, we're going to have this guy for a couple of years. Hey, let's work him in when we can. I think we're going to see, though, in some dime packages, because we know Aaron Rodgers is going to go four wide. I have a feeling we're going to see Cam Bynum come covering the slot uh, because he still Mm -hmm. can play corner. Made comments about wanting to cover to the field. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Lewis Seen come in with Harrison Smith as a safeties, and then Cam Bynum drop down in the dime with uh, Channon Sullivan on the other side, and then you got, uh, Dantzler, and then Patrick Peterson uh, as your kind of 6-DB look. So, you know, don't be surprised about that.
0: All right, Ron, amazing stuff. I got one more for you here. We talked about this in the Bynum interview. Today is the 20-year anniversary of your first NFL reception and NFL touchdown. What was your celebration when you scored?
4: Oh, it was trash. Um, it was something I- <laughs> It was it was it was like the it was the Harlem Shake so I, I think the first one I did was a Harlem Shake and it was so trashy because I didn't know how much time I had I didn't want to get a flag so I kind of did it like real quick I did the Harlem Shake for though and not the like TikTok Harlem Shake where everybody freezes and then does some stupid it was the actual legit P Diddy Harlem Shake from uh, Him and Mace in the video with uh I forgot the name of their group uh, but then it kind of evolved. Just imagine it's 30 degrees outside, and your pants get wet, your jeans get wet, how would you walk? You would have like a straight leg walk so your jeans aren't touching your legs. Even though that doesn't work nowadays because kids are wearing skinny jeans, so it doesn't matter. But back in the day, we wore baggy jeans. And so if your jeans got wet, you had to walk straight legged. So it kind of became the straight leg. I called it the wet pants dance because like your legs don't move. But I mean, your legs don't bend, but you're still kind of moving. And we called it the wet pants. Yeah, it was trash. It was a trashy dance. <laughs> like, I wasn't Cam Bynum draft day prepared to like celebrate. Like, I didn't think I was going to score. Like, that's the thing. Like I wasn't prepared to score that game. Like, I, 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 I would love to go back in history. I talk about this all the time. I would love to go back in history and talk to myself and say, hey, get ready for the first game and have a legit dance ready because you're going to score because I just wasn't ready. Like I score and I like jumped up like, wait, what a minute? I scored And then I just, yeah, it was trash. Because we couldn't celebrate in college. So I really didn't have a college celebration. Yeah, but it was like the Harlem Shake mixed with the wet pants. It was terrible. <laughs> That's a great story, though. Ed Reed, I think Ed Reed or Bar Scott blocked a punt against the uh, uh, Browns. And then I did the dumb dance again. Like I scored that game. When we get to the bench, like we're mic'd up, talking about the pump block. And you hear somebody say like, oh, I see you hit the wet pants. And back then, I'm like, oh, that was cool. I look back, I'm like, oh, that was the dumbest. Like, what were we doing? Like, we just, like, it was dumb.
0: <laughs> Only in 2002.
4: Audio Brown does the stupid, like, take that stuff off dance. Mm-hmm. So, or put that stuff on. I don't know what he's doing. So, yeah. So, there's dumb dances everywhere.
0: That's yes, true. Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson show, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. The Roundtable on Fridays. Uh, check him out. Vikings Game Day Live as well. Ron, thanks a lot.
4: No, appreciate
0: Thanks, it. Thanks, Ron. Thanks, Ron. At guys. three, Ron Johnson hit him up on Twitter. He joins us every Thursday. All right, before Arif has to go, we're running out of time, but we got to do this. We've got to gamble. We've each got $1,000 in our mystical bank. These are the rules. Using the bet online odds, we're going to make one prediction against the spread, one prediction for over under. We can't double up on the same games, it's got to be different. Going to be a snake selection, starting with Arif. I just randomly picked that. We're going to go around the circle. So, Arif, Bron, me, Inman. Inman, me, Bron, Arif. If you understand the rules, hopefully you do. Uh, we're ready to go. Arif, start us off.
1: Oh, boy. Um, I really want to do tonight's game, but I think that the the, the numbers on it are actually like quite good. Um, so, it, it'll it'll be tough. Uh, for that, but I think um, kind of the very next one actually on Bet Online, which is the Baltimore Ravens New York Jets. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens are favored by a touchdown, and I think you know the Jets are what they're going to start uh, Joe Flacco in a revenge game. I know that people are concerned that the Ravens' defense is just not what it used to be, but honestly, I think that secondary is good. I think Lamar Jackson is going to be playing for a guaranteed contract. I think that I really like the moves that they've made. I really like Rashad Bateman. I think the Ravens beat the Jets by more than a touchdown, so I'm going to take the Ravens' money line there. Or not the Ravens' money line, the Ravens' spread there.
0: Um, I, and I forgot one key part of this. You have to wager part of your bank. The max right, part of my $1,000? Max yeah, bet is a hundred dollars uh, in week one.
1: Yep. Uh I uh I really like this one, but I wasn't prepared for the segment. So I'm not gonna go I'm not gonna go whole hog here. I'm gonna bet uh seventy five.
0: And what are the odds on it?
1: Uh it is minus one hundred sixteen
0: for Ravens minus seven. Very specific. All right, Luke Braun. Uh I'm gonna go with our
2: good old vikings game but you're not gonna like it uh i think the market has been way too bullish on the vikings in this game i know they're at home and i know it's week one we're also contending with week one sammy watkins always a thing to to worry about mm-hmm. uh, and i think the market has overreacted to some of the health issues that the green bay packers are having with alan lazard maybe out with uh a couple of linemen out Right now, the line is Packers minus one. Like, I don't think this is an even, that even a game at all. So I am going to put a hundred bucks max bet on Packers minus one at minus
0: 113. Minus 113. Um. All right. I was going to go with uh, the Ravens minus seven. Can't do that anymore. So I'm going to move on to the Baker Mayfield revenge game. I love all the revenge really? angles. So much fun. Yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I just think that uh, I'm a believer in karma. I think the Browns are going to lose, and I think Baker is uh, going to win at home in his Panthers debut. I think that, um, you know, the, the Browns don't have exactly stellar quarterback play themselves, so I'm going to go Panthers minus one at minus 125 for 50.
3: okay well i too was going to jump on that raven train but that's out i'm going to go to my plan b and i'm going to take the jacksonville jaguars plus two and a half in washington i think they win the game outright i think we realize and find out how bad of a coach urban meyer was and how much trevor lawrence needs a legit qb kind of coach like a doug peterson uh i think that's at plus 115 here sam i'm gonna go whole hog as a reef likes to say and hit that max bet button for $100. bucks.
0: 1st underdog taken, and now you get to pick twice, and this will be an over-under bet.
3: Yeah, I'm going to take the over in the Chiefs-Cardinals game inside oh. in the dome, like the conditions. Mm. It's high. Mm. I think it's actually the highest over-under wow. of the uh, entire week, of the entire slate. It it's at 53.5, 53 53 and, half. Half, and I like the over. So what does that say? I think it's going to be an absolute shootout. Uh, Mahomes wants to show off his, uh, talents without guys like Tariq, uh, Hill and I like it. I like, it. uh, over, I think is at minus minus one fifteen here, Sam. So I'm going to go 50 bucks on that one. Not quite as confident on that one. Still 50 bucks oh. minus minus one fifteen on the over 53 and a half. I actually
0: wanted the under on that. Um, and I cannot do it. So I got to rethink my strategy. Betonline.net. Make sure to check it out. I like, um, my gosh, the amount of revenge games are insane. Broncos against Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are a bad football team. Um, and I don't think they're going to score very much. And I don't think Russell Wilson is going to like set the world on fire in week one either. I'm going to go under forty four and a half Broncos Seahawks. And fifty bucks on it at minus one hundred five. Yeah, I don't like any of these over/unders
2: to be honest. Um so I'm also going to hedge one, but you know what? I'm going to root for fun. Uh Bills Rams over 52 at -110 and uh, I'll I'll put a
1: nice responsible 50 bucks on it. Reese, finish it up. Um I don't like either of these offenses. I think that both of these defenses have something going for them. So I'm actually kind of surprised that the over/under isn't on the low range. Now we've got some extremely low over/unders on the board. I know the 49ers Bears, for example, over/unders 40, mm-hmm. which is wild. Yeah. Um, but this yeah. one's at 48 mm-hmm. and a half. Eagles Lions 48 and a half. That is weird to me. They know something I don't, or they're wrong. More likely the first. But I'm still going to put uh, 50 bucks on the under there. That just I just don't. Everyone is in on Jalen Hurts. I'm not. I, I need to see it first. And so you got Hurts, you got Goff, you got 48 points. I don't know how.
0: And the odds on that?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the odds are minus 105 on the
0: under. Minus 105. That's a wrap. We will update every week. We'll have our predictions every week toward the end of the show, starting with 1,000. And we got to come up with a loser punishment, so comment on the YouTube video or hit us up on Twitter oh, at Luke underscore Spinman. Loser punishment for the last place finisher. Luke, did you ever come up with a loser punishment for your other league?
3: Uh, a bunch of good stuff got flung out there enlist in the army was a good one i really thought about that for a while (laughs) um no seriously uh what ended up happening i ended up uh making a uh, fun little music video about our commit not music video a video compilation i got some uh cameos in there you know that website cameo you got some celebrities and people like that that um, you know, basically trash and burn whoever you want. I ended up making about our commish, who we always uh, kind of make fun of, and uh, it ended up turning out really good. Honestly, I think I got off pretty easy, to be honest, all things considered.
0: That's funny. Um, party fouls to finish. I, you know, I was going to go with Z Smith for his uh, misleading press conference with us, but I will also uh, – it's it's fun to just roast the twins right now, so I'll do it. Tommy Watkins, third-base coach yesterday, what are you doing what do you, I know Luke Inman knows because he's uh, he's following the team day to day. Brutal, just a brutal send against the Yankees in the eleventh inning. Still, eleventh uh, inning? What happened? Oh my gosh! Yeah, oh boy. so ba- runner on second, nobody <laughs> out, base hit. Runner was clearly not going to score. You've got the meat of your order coming up, so you could have had first and third with nobody out. They sent the runner, tagged out at home, ruined the inning. And the Twins lose for the millionth time in uh, New York Yankees. in the last yeah. 20 years.
3: Aaron Gleeman. i Newman. Newman that you said. Need to bring back Al Newman. Come on, man. Um, I'm actually going to stick with the Twins. I saw that. I think it was the geek. Aaron Gleeman tweeted out. Twins winning percentage against the Yankees, 39 and 116 since 2002. We're talking 20 yeah, years. All, right. <laughs> all three managers, Guardy, Molitor, Rocco, horrible winning percentage, sub 300 winning percentages you can't even win three out of 10 games against the yankees for the last 20 years absolutely insane i don't even know how you do that i love the small market versus big market kind of uh you know case but uh it's 2022 now come on that's over right like that's not a thing anymore is it
0: unfathomable honestly Mm-hmm um party fouls. love wow. love gleeman
1: stats that's fantastic my, my party foul is on the Steelers for trusting what they saw for mitch trubisky in the preseason and naming him their starter for the year i know that they're comfortable with rookie starters that's what ben roethlisberger was uh and so i know that this is something that they can do they choose not to um so either the party foul is making the wrong choice here or turning Kenny Pickett into a first-round draft pick when he cannot even beat out Mitch Trubisky. So my party foul is on the franchise that will refuse to throw left
3: for the next couple of games. <laughs> I think they get blown out by Cincy. I think week two you see Kenny Pickett.
0: Apparently that throwing left is an Anthony Richardson problem too, the the Florida quarterback.
1: <gasps> There's another one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You've <Yeah. laughs>
1: been looking That's for fun. your sequel. I, I'm this so sequel.
3: excited. 2.0. <laughs> uh, my party foul
2: goes to a fellow zone coverage writer, Nick Olson, who spent like two days online arguing that Kirk Cousins doesn't have a good arm. You're killing me, dude. Uh, he way overthought it, that... and I'm going to call you out, mostly because Did I just the Ruiz like
1: Nick. Do you see the Ruiz rankings? It Looks like uh, like Nick, Nick. I believe Nicholson, that was when Ruiz started are aligned it. here. Oh my gosh okay
0: <laughs> that was an an amazing like just project that the ringer put together graphically i love when the ringer does big projects oh yeah Fantas- they to I, I thought i mean the, the rankings like pre-snap acumen pretty arbitrary don't know if i buy into trevor lawrence being above kirk but i love the effort put into that project um check it out at the also check out Lockdown Sports Minnesota, subscribe on YouTube, get all the videos, leave comments, like, and subscribe, please, wherever you get your podcasts as well. Luke Inman, Superior Sports Talk, at Luke underscore Spinman, Arif Hasan, The Athletic, at Arif Hasan NFL, Luke Braun, Lockdown Vikings, Lockdown Vikings postcast, at Luke Braun NFL, and I'm Sam Ekstrom, at Sam Ekstrom, threw a lot at you there. Minnesota Football Party Mondays and Thursdays. Enjoy the game on Sunday, we'll talk to you next week.